I'm on Shark Tank right now. This is the, the cream of the crop. This is a dream. But the realization that, hold on, something just happened here. They said, or some of some of them have said, hey, your valuation's all wrong. You're not even worth the 500,000. This, this doesn't, this, the, you know, we're, it's a no for us. But to turn it around and now two sharks are offering me a million dollars, you guys know exactly how much this is worth. And if you're going to double what you said I wasn't worth, I know that what I have is pure gold. Welcome to the Business for Good podcast, a show where we spotlight companies making money by making the world a better place. I'm your host, Paul Shapiro, and if you share a passion for using commerce to solve many of the world's most pressing problems, then this is the show for you. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 69 of the Business for Good podcast. So often you hear about startups that raise millions or even tens of millions of dollars from venture capitalists before beginning to generate any revenue and start to make a dent in the marketplace. That is a very far story from the story of our guest here today. In this episode, we are talking with Deborah Torres founder and CEO of Atlas Monroe, a startup making vegan fried chicken. As you'll hear in the interview, a chance encounter with a stranger in a supermarket led Deborah to become vegan herself, which ultimately transitioned her whole family into a plant-based lifestyle. Pretty soon, she was making her own vegan fried chicken, and people really liked it, leading her to offer it as a one-off at a VegFest in Chicago. Well, one thing led to another, and the next thing you know, Atlas Monroe won the best chicken at the National Fried Chicken Festival. That's not just the best vegan chicken, that's the best fried chicken of all of the fried chicken offered at this festival. As the company's fame grew, Deborah found herself on Shark Tank being offered a million dollars to buy her newly formed company, an offer she promptly rejected on air. Today, just a couple years later, Atlas Monroe now operates its own factory. It's on track to bring in $5 million in revenue in 2021, and it just keeps expanding. Amazingly, Deborah has achieved all of this without ever taking any outside investment, and she continues to own 100% of her company today. It's an inspirational tale of an entrepreneur bootstrapping her way to success. And as someone who's enjoyed her fried chicken at a restaurant in my hometown of Sacramento, I can assure you it's not hard to see why. I will now let Deborah tell you her story. Deborah, welcome to the Business for Good podcast. Yes. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be on with you. Thanks so much for taking the time. So I want to get right down to it, Deborah, because I know that you have been on quite an interesting entrepreneurial journey. And there's a lot to talk about here from everything from the origins of your story to being on Shark Tank and turning them down and everything else. So we got a lot to get into. But tell me first and foremost, I thought at first that Atlas Monroe must be somebody's name, but it turns out it's not somebody's name. Where does this name come from? Um, actually, it's funny. So Atlas, it means, um, you know, it's global, um, the flavors in our products, you know, are, are very global, eclectic flavors, um, from all over the world. So that was, that's the Atlas part. Monroe, um, it actually means pure from the mouth of the river and all of our food, um, it's, it's all natural, it's plant-based and all of the ingredients come or are derived from water. So, um, you know, they just went together and it sounded perfect. <laughs> okay, nice. <laughs> nice. In what yeah. language does Monroe mean that? Um, it's actually comes, it's, it's a Scot, it comes from uh, Scotland, but the, the actual, uh, river, it's called River Monroe. It's in Ireland. Hmm. Okay. 
Interesting. Yeah. All right. So I, I know, Deborah, that you grew up eating meat and you don't do it anymore, but it was um, not actually like, let's say, animal welfare or environmental reasons that originally led you to get into a plant-based lifestyle, but it was something that happened in your own family. So what happened that got you interested in plant-based in the first place? I'm actually funny that you ask. <laughs> um, I I actually went uh, I went vegan alone before um, uh, the family situation, which we'll get into. But what actually what, what really started it was that I I was at a Whole Foods um, in Chicago for a few weeks, and uh, who who would have known that this whole thing would have changed my life because I was just visiting. And so um, I, I was standing there and I was looking, uh, just trying to get like a frozen burrito. And there was a man, we were both staring at like the same products. We were just standing next to each other staring. And he's like, oh, what are you going to get? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I just, I'm hungry. I don't know. And he was like, oh, you know, I don't know either because I just, I just uh, stopped eating meat. And I was like, oh, why? Like, you know, for or something that has to do with your health or like, you know, and he says, uh, no, actually I just visited a, a factory farm with some friends of mine, uh, just like taking a trip there. And, uh, he says, you know, while we were there, we realized that all the cows were crying tears mm. and, um, you know, they were, they were screaming and I'm like, like tears, like real tears, like, like tears were coming out of their eyes. And he's like, yeah, like tears. Like in the beginning, I, I, I didn't, I, you know, um, you know, you read books and especially growing up and it's like, oh, she cried. And so I'm like, are you saying like figuratively or like literally, I just couldn't even wrap my mind around that animals cried tears. Mm -hmm. It was something so foreign to me. And, um, yeah, he told me that. And he was saying how um, all of his friends were crying, he was crying, and it was something that changed changed him forever. And so now he, that, that brought him to Whole Foods because he was like, oh, you know, I heard that Whole Foods has, you know, uh, more plant-based products. So here I am. And so probably, um, maybe you know, maybe I want to say maybe like two, three weeks later, I just decided, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to be vegan. I'm not going to eat meat or dairy or anything anymore either. Wow. And so what what year was this? This is back in 2014. Okay. So you, so you decide you're with very little, uh, with very little that's happened aside from these experiences in Whole Foods, you're going vegan. All right. And so then did you do it? Yeah. Yeah, I did. And, and, and my family was just kind of like, what you know like that's unheard of because nobody you know at that time uh 2014 nobody I didn't know anybody that was vegan I didn't even know really what what that I mean I knew what it meant but you know I didn't really know how I was going to eat or what I was going to eat for probably a good year I ate chips and hummus and like (laughs) salad I I didn't really you know there wasn't like oh there's all these vegan restaurants you can go to and all these plant-based products that are out you know it was just whatever you can get your hands on, especially like I said, I was traveling that year. And so, um, a year later, um, I go home and I'm, I'm with my family and, uh, like to celebrate my, you know, return, we had like a a barbecue and my family are big foodies. 
So, you know, my mom made like barbecue ribs and fried chicken and potato salad and all this really, uh, what we would say, delicious food. And so, um, and she made, for me, she had like these, probably, I'm, I'm guessing it must have been uh, tofurkey sausages. I, I believe that they, they, yeah, they've been around for a long time. So it had to have been them. Um, and so I remember her, her having like these little sausages on the side for me and in comparison with everything else that wasn't vegan. And, um, you know, we had a good day and we had a good time. Maybe probably like three days later, um, my parents sit me and my siblings down and they're like, oh, you know, uh, we want to tell you guys something. And they said, you know, your father has diabetes. And I had seen personally, and this was like years before, I had seen maybe like, maybe three, three to five years before I had seen a documentary um, on YouTube. It's called Simply Raw. Hmm. And um, they had taken a couple individuals and they put them all on a raw vegan diet for 30 days because they all had type 2 diabetes. Um, and so they did this in an effort to heal them. And they all had like other complications as well um, because of the diabetes. And so, you know, it kind of documented their journey and how difficult um, the, the diet was for them. And at the end of the 30 days, they were all completely healed of everything that they had. And so immediately upon hearing, oh, he has diabetes, I just was like, well, we have to do something like we, ha- we have to there's I and, and my family have seen family members, friends of family, uh, church family, um, you know, lose their limbs, lose their arms, lose their legs, um, both legs, and then eventually just die from diabetes. So for me, hearing that was like hearing, well, your dad's going to die. Like he's going to die. Get get ready for that. Get ready to see him lose a limb and then get ready to see him die, basically. Wow. And so um, I just was like, you know, we have to do something. We can't just, you know, let this happen. And so I said, well, I, I, I seen this documentary before, you know, let's let's do what they did. And so I said, um, we can do it. Uh, we'll do it for 90 days and not 30 days um, because I wanted it to be a lifestyle change and not just like a quick a quick fad diet, you know, just something that you do and then it's done. I want it to be something where, okay, we, we're, we're eating better for life. Um, so, uh, you know, I said, okay, I I will do everything. I'll make all the food. I'll prep everything. Let's get rid of all the cooked food that we have. And we'll all be, you know, raw vegan people for 90 days. (laughs) (laughs) And, and so, of course, uh, so a lot of some of my family, you know, were upset. My dad was upset. Um, the whole thing was was kind of, you know, such a change, you know, just to hear like, oh, I have to change how I eat. It's not something that people want to do, and that's why we have, you know, um, so much cancer and and diseases and and ultimately death around food because people don't want to change how they're eating. Um. And so, uh, you know, it was just like, well, we have to do this. So I, they said they agreed. And, um, 
it's funny too because some of my family said, "Oh, well, after this, we're we're gonna we're gonna go back to eating meat." Um, all of them are vegan to this day, but <laughs> mm. um, you know, uh, it, it really changed a lot of things. And so um, we started this this diet, and we we also took walks with him every day as well. Um, and so in the beginning, we were eating uh, salads and fruit salads and smoothies. And probably within a week, um, it was just like, we were all mad at each other. It's like, there's so much, emo- you're detoxing, um, you're experiencing all these emotions, you're hungry. Um, and I just knew, you know what, if we keep going like this, we're never going to get through this. And the point of it is going to be lost. And then, you know, we're not going to see the results that we're not even going to get to do the, the, the test. Um, so I said, you know what, I need to, I need to make food like how we're, we were eating before, but, but still, um, not cooked. So I was like, you know, I need to make like some really delicious raw tacos. I need to make delicious raw burgers and, you know, delicious raw sandwiches and, you know, raw desserts and, and lasagna and all, all types of different stuff. And it was, it was amazing. And it really, it made, you know, with the study, it's when, when you're going into it like that and you're very serious about it, and for me, I wasn't serious about it because of the diet. I was serious about it because of my father's health. And it, 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 it depended on this. So, um, you know, when you're studying and, and diving into plant food textures and flavors, you learn so much. I mean, just a wealth and plethora of information about food and, and, and building it, I, I, essentially. Um, and so, you know, that's, pretty much how Alice Bruno came to be because after, um, after the 90 days, uh, he went to three doctors. They all confirmed that he did not have diabetes. Incredible. He still, yeah, <laughs> he still does not to this day. Um, and like I said, all my family after, you know, just experiencing that, that lifestyle change, of course, they were like, well, we're never eating meat again either. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so, so so how did it come to pass then Deborah like uh, you know you're you're doing a raw vegan diet your father is cured of diabetes and then you think I'm going to you know you're not going to start a raw vegan company you're going to start a a fried chicken company so like how did that come to pass that you're like ah this is where I'm going next Well like I said so on the diet um you know we I I made you know raw lasagna raw spaghetti um you know, raw, like, quote unquote, meat sauce and and raw cheeses and even raw chicken nuggets. And so once we learned that he was healed, we're like, okay, well, let's start, you know, back incorporating cooked foods into our diet, but still stay um, plant-based and all natural. And so as we returned to eating cooked foods, I just kept experimenting, um, making vegan foods that were cooked, but still healthier, much healthier versions than the real meat alternative. I'm sorry, the real meat um, that we were eating before. So one of those things, or I should say a couple of those things, especially um, for, you know, like I said, we're big foodies. So around like Thanksgiving, so turkey, um, around like summertime stuff, so barbecue ribs, and then just like around the dinner table, which a lot of times we found ourselves eating fried chicken. And so those three things were like, okay, I, I need to definitely make 
these three items that me and my family can enjoy. And, um, you know, they, they don't feel like, oh, we're missing out on the real thing. Uh, so, so I see that you have gone then from basically raw vegan to vegan, but not raw, but how did it come to pass Deborah that you thought this is going to be my career? It's one thing to be making food for your family. It's another thing to presumably quit whatever you were doing at that time and, and start your own company. So what were you doing at the time? Um, I worked for Verizon. Okay. And so when I worked at Verizon, uh, you know, it's, it's such a secure job. A lot of people, I know a lot of people that work at um, companies like Verizon or, or even like at a lot of uh, cell phone companies because everybody has a cell phone. And so, you know, it's, it's a necessity at this point. Um, you know, there's so much to be made there and it's such a secure job. Um, at the time I was making six figures and I was like, Ooh, uh, you know, you want to start a company, but you don't want to, to leave your safety net either. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, one of uh, my family members was laid off and I was like, you know what, that could happen. That can happen to me. Like that, you never know what, what can happen. Um, you have to be ready for that and you have to, to do what, whatever it is that you need to do now, because, you know, if you're laid off, then what you, you're doing so great. You have a six figure income, your life's going great. Then you're laid off. Now what? If you don't have anything to fall back on, you're, you're just now you're, and, and it just happened with all of us. A lot of people, I should say, um, with the coronavirus, it, it, it stopped everyone in their tracks. A lot of people. Yeah. So did you decide that you wanted to quit before you knew what you wanted to do? Or were you thinking, I'm going to start a plant-based food company and then decided to quit? Oh, no, no, no. So because, you know, my family, they, we were, we're now, you know, testing out vegan food. So as I'm working at Verizon, um, I'm always, okay, here, try this thing and tell me if it tastes good. Try this thing and let me know what I should do better. Try this thing and let me know if it's comparable to what we were eating before. And so I remember, you know, making fried chicken over and over and vegan fried chicken over and over and over. And then going like, no, uh, well, this was okay, but no. And just like really trying to hit the nail on, okay, let me see if I can get this right. And so when I finally did get it, and I remember the day, I'll never forget that day. I was just like, oh my gosh, I, did it. <laughs> I finally got it, nailed it. And uh, just thinking like, oh, I can do this. I can, I can have this be, you know, a business. And I probably for a good year, um, I, I had, I, I made a website and um, <laughs> not leaving my job. I made a website and I, I was just like, you know, you, you procrastinate and kind of like, oh, cause you have your safety net going on. You're, you're cool with that. And so I was like, oh, you know, um, uh, I'm just working on this website. So I'm working on this website for a year because I'm like, well, I have to make, you know, got to take pictures, got to, you know, get the information correct on the website before I, I actually start this. And so as the website was up um, and and nobody seen it, we didn't have any social media or anything at the time. And this is in uh, 2017. So we had no social media. Um, I'm working on this website. It's, it's live, but nobody knows about it. I, I haven't done any advertising or nothing was going on yet. 
And then all of a sudden I get this one email. Um, <laughs> the email said, Hey, um, I love your food. Do you want to come out and do a festival at Grant Park in Chicago? I'm like, and I, <laughs> first of all, I'm thinking in my head, okay, this is, this is a joke. Like this is, this is spam because <laughs> nobody knows that this website exists. I put this website up. It's been up for maybe at that time, like a month. And I, I wouldn't even have social, we have nothing. How can somebody know that this, how did they find us? So I thought it was a joke. And I thought, you know, this, this is, this has to be spam. Who? Why did this one email come in? And I, I, I ignored it for like a good two months. And then one day I was like, let me just look it up. Let me see if, you know, this is a real thing. Um, so of course I knew that uh, Grant Park is, is such a, it's a big famous park in Chicago. That's where uh, Lollapalooza is housed. And so I said, you know what? Let me write back to this person and see if this is a real thing. And it and it actually was. It turned out it was a real thing. So I'm like, oh, it is. It's real. You know what? Let me um, let me try. Let me try it. Like let, let's let's start this business finally. So um, funny thing about that. Uh, when I said, okay, I told my family, okay, we're gonna start this business finally. I'm gonna do this. Like this is what's gonna happen. We're gonna go to Chicago. Um, when we get over there. So. Re- just to, to rewind the story a little bit, my father, he had done uh, the garlic festival. He had been volunteering at the garlic festival in Gilroy, California, um, uh, grilling real barbecue ribs for years, for like 20 years. And um, so I said, you know what? When they see the, the smoke from the ribs, like, well, I'll have my father doing the ribs. I said, when they see the smoke from the ribs, they'll come to our booth and try our ribs. It'll be a, a great situation. It'll be a win-win situation. So I told them this dream. I'm like, we're going to drive to Chicago from California with our trailer. And we're going to buy all this equipment. Um, I'll, I'll find out all of it. I'll put everything in and we'll get there and it's going to go great. Of course, we, we're driving all the way to Chicago. Um, we get a flat tire in, in, a, in our trailer, which was a nightmare. <laughs> Um, uh, we, we like stopped in the middle of nowhere to get, to find the right size tire for this, this, um, uh, trailer. Mm. We like haul all the way to Chicago, get there in the middle of the night, the day of the festival. So, um, in the wee morning hours of the actual day of the festival, the festival organizers were still there setting up. So they were super awesome. They, totally we're cool with everything they're like oh we're just glad that you guys made it and that you guys came i'm like this is insane <laughs> um and so we set all we set up all night we never went to sleep um we we're just like setting up when it comes around to being like maybe 10 30 because the event started at 11 oh rewind so sorry in the middle of the night when we got there the festival organizers came up to us they said how is your chicken and we said, oh, you know, I said, you know, it's great. Like, it, it's really good. And my mom, being like my number one fan, she said to them, oh, you guys know Doomies? You guys know Doomies um, in L.A.? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> and she said, we're better than Doomies. And they're like, oh, OK. They're like, OK. <laughs> 
And so, um, I don't know uh, if everybody knows, but Doomies is this really famous vegan restaurant in LA. And they were really, honestly, I think they, they had the, the vegan Big Mac and they were like the first, you know, big vegan restaurant. And so she tells them that. The next day, uh, I see the line forming at a, like around 10.30 a.m. And it was a line wrapping around all of Grant Park, really all of Chicago to me. And I'm like so nervous. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, we're still setting up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is insane. Uh, within 15 minutes of the festival doors opening, our line was longer than a football field. I didn't know what was happening. We didn't even have the smoke up. I'm like, I, lo- I remember looking back like, is the smoke up? And my dad wasn't even, he, the fire, the grill was going, but there was no smoke yet. So I didn't know what was happening. Um, the whole day went by very quickly. Uh, we were so, we were selling all day long. It was the most insane thing that I was flabbergasted. I didn't know what was happening. Um, I remember everybody coming saying, oh, you, everybody's talking about your chicken. Oh my gosh, it's the best thing ever. Um, People were just going crazy. And I was just like, I don't know what's happening. Um, I just remember the DJ coming, saying, oh, everybody's talking about it. We have to try it. The organizers came, tried it. Um, at the end of the event, we're like, we put our blood, sweat, and tears into it for you know our first day, first event, first business transaction, first thing ever. <laughs> hmm. And so uh, the organizers come around and they're like, we have to tell you guys, that was the best fried chicken we've ever had, vegan or not. Oh, and, and I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. That's so awesome. And they're like, and by the way, we own Doomies Toronto. And yeah. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, the rest is really history because, you know, from there, we got invited to do all these other events. Um, we, we even ended up going to Toronto, New York, uh, Houston, Portland, New Orleans. And I, I, I'd imagine, Deborah, so these were financially lucrative for you, though? Like, even with all the travel costs and everything, you were still making money at each of these festivals? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you, weren't, yeah. and you weren't just going to vegan festivals, right? You were going to, like, the National Fried Chicken Festival, too? Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were the first and only company to be invited, the ve- first and only vegan company to be invited to the National Fried Chicken Festival. And then um, from this event, we were named best fried chicken out of all the real chicken there by Time Mag- Magazine's Extra Crispy. <laughs> Very nice. So you, you outdid all, <laughs> all the chicken companies. So first, uh, I'd imagine many people probably are unaware that there even is a National Fried Chicken Festival. So first, where is where does this uh, hallowed event take place? This is in New Orleans. Okay. And so yeah. and so at the New Orleans National Fried Chicken Festival, you all won best chicken, not just best, best alt chicken, but the best chicken out of anybody. Yeah, we were named the best. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. Yeah. That's that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> all right. So what is it then? Uh, you're, what is in this that is the best fried chicken, allegedly, in, in the country? What What is in this recipe of yours? Um, well, our recipe uh, is proprietary, but it is a wheat-based product. Okay. Um, you know, it has a lot of flavor and it packs a punch of spice. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that's just something I think that comes from my family. Both, both of my parents are actually not, uh, born in America. My father is from Guyana in South America 
And my mother, uh, she is from England. And so, um, you know, both a lot of food. I would just say that I grew up with a lot of food, food and a lot of flavor. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think that our chicken, it stand, stands up well to, to my mom's <laughs> that I grew up with. Well, well I, can, I can attest to that because uh, my wife and I got it at the Pure Soul uh, restaurant. It's, a, it's like a vegan restaurant in Sacramento and we really enjoyed it. And so um, it's been a long time since I've eaten conventional fried chicken, a few decades, but uh, it tasted, tasted very good to me. So I, I imagine uh, that many people, chicken eaters and not, would also enjoy it. But speaking of enjoying it, I want to get down to you know the biggest event, what I presume is the biggest event in the company's, the young company's history here, which is going on Shark Tank, because they really loved it. Uh, they really enjoyed it. I, I watched the episode and, and we'll have a, a link to it in the show notes here so people can see it too. But, um, you know, you went on uh, asking at a time when you said that uh, you had $60,000 in revenue at that point and you were asking uh, for a $5 million valuation, right? So you're saying that you wanted them to invest half a million dollars to gain ownership of 10% of Atlas Monroe. So basically $5 million valuation. So where did that valuation come from? Was that something that you were thinking in advance? Did somebody advise you about that? Like, where did you come in saying, hey, this thing is worth $5 million? Well, um, so first of, first thing, you know, that the show is edited at so it, it appeared, um, and I realized that um, it appeared because of the editing that we had up to that point made $60,000 in our business, um, that the show was was taped earlier in the year. And that was what we had made up to that point in that year. Oh, I see. Um, yeah. But at that point in our business, um, uh, we started... So the, the very from the first event that we did, which was the one that I said um, was at Grant Park in Chicago. So that was June of 2017, and um, uh, the the taping was early of uh, 2019. And so up to that point in the business, we had made upwards of three hundred thousand dollars not 60,000. Okay. Uh, cool. So was that where you were coming with the uh, 5 million? You're thinking, Hey, like, you know, we, we are going to have, um, millions of dollars of revenue, which I believe you do now. Right. Isn't, I think that's what I read. Yes. Yeah. So that really came from, you know, what we're doing, um, that, because at that point, so what was going on at that time, um, was that, you know, we were working out of a shared, uh, commercial kitchen space. And so we were only able to take on so many orders at a time mm-hmm. and then work on fulfilling those orders. And that was just between like a team of about four people, yeah. um, really two people um, like full time and maybe two other people part time. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, but the amount that we were that we were able to take in was a is we had an extraordinary demand. We just couldn't fill it. Yeah. And so we, we would be cutting off our own. Uh, revenue just because, you know, we didn't want to take on too much that we couldn't mm-hmm. fulfill. Okay. Um, so, on, yeah. so on the show, Deborah, they offered you a million dollars to buy the entire company. Now, you know, you, what you were asking for was basically 10% for half a million, but they offered you a million dollars. And for a lot of early stage entrepreneurs like yourself, the chance to make a quick million dollars would be extremely attractive, as you can imagine. Um, I, I imagine, you know, a million dollars for you would have meant 
you know, if you uh, divided it by the number of years that you've been actually running the company full time, it would be a very large salary, as you can imagine. So why do you turn it down? Why do you turn down a million dollars and the chance to scale up with one of the sharks? You know, um, I've really learned that ownership is really everything. And so what I think what what a lot of people miss or, you know, what, like I said, the show is edited. So uh, what people might not have understood is that we weren't going to be having any ownership of what we had, what we created, that that right to it was going to be taken away for the million dollars. I inherently knew if you, you know, I'm, I'm on Shark Tank right now. Like I, I, this is, this is, you know, this is the, the cream of the crop. This is a dream. Um, but the realization that, hold on, something just happened here. They said, or some of, some of them have said, hey, your valuation's all wrong. Um, you're not even worth the 500,000. This, this doesn't, this, the, you know, we're, it's a no for us. But to turn it around and now two sharks are offering me a million dollars, you guys know exactly how much this is worth. And if you're going to double what you said I wasn't worth, I know that what I have is pure gold. (laughs) Nice, nice, nice. (laughs) So to to regale people with why you likely made the right decision, then do you have an estimate of what you value or what anybody externally might value the company at today, a couple years later? Um, You know, it... I would definitely say that, so um, where we were at that time is that we were working out of a uh, shared commercial kitchen space. Now we own our own multi-million dollar manufacturing facility and equipment. Um, We're also in the process of expanding to both a secondary and third location. So um, I would definitely say, you know, the sky is the limit with where, where we're going and what we're doing. And I think that a lot of people will will see exactly what, what Atlas Monroe is made of. Okay. So why, why go that route, Deborah? Like why create your own production facility as opposed to just do what so many other startups do and, and utilize co-manufacturers to make their products for them? Well, so you have to really look at this. And, you know, it will never escape me that I'm, I'm a young Black woman. And so a young black women that even on national television, uh, people who were very, very wealthy were still trying to take what I have created. So with that in mind, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's behoo of me to, to keep what I have and not give it away. There's so many ways that people uh, can easily take what you have. For example, uh, Chloe Cosarelli, um, you know, she, she had her, she, I believe actually she, she just won, um, right. uh, her company back, but, but they, you know, she has the, the chain restaurant by Chloe and, um, somehow they pushed her out of her own company. Same thing with, um, uh, chef Tanya. She has, a what is that Na- nature's cafe? I believe out of, um, native cafe, I'm sorry, out of, uh, Palm Springs and that is a chain restaurant and they somehow pushed her out. And, you know, these women are, are amazing, very beautiful, very awesome women. And I, I don't really know exactly what occurred, but I know that it happened. Um, you know, we see, see the same thing with the founders. We, they have the movie now um, uh, with McDonald's and even Famous Amos. It, it happens where 
you you make this deal and it sounds amazing and awesome or you give you you're like oh well let me partner with so and so and let me give away you know my secrets to so and so I trust them I, I trust that the right thing is going to happen and all of a sudden the the rug is swept out from under you and you don't have you know you don't own the rights to what you created mm-hmm. I, I was not going to let that happen not not for all the blood sweat and tears that me and my family have put into this business. All right, friends, I hope you're enjoying the interview so far. And let me just briefly interrupt to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the Very Good Food Company, more commonly known by one of their brands, the Very Good Butchers. I can't tell you how many times listeners of this show ask me how they, not as captains of the venture capital industry with hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars to invest, but as mere mortals like you and me, can invest in great companies making the world a better place. Well, friends, ask no longer because the Very Good Food Co. is now the second publicly traded plant-based meat company in the United States, meaning you can go online and buy shares in their company today. You can check them out at their ticker, V-R-Y-Y-F. Again, that is V-R-Y-Y-F. For full disclosure, even before they were a sponsor of this show, my wife, Tony, and I became shareholders ourselves since we were so impressed both by the array of really great plant-based meat products that they're offering and the all-star team that they have assembled over there at the Very Good Food Co. These folks are growing fast. They're building production plants, a restaurant, and more. They even just passed their first ever $1 million revenue month, showing that this startup is no joke. Whether it's steaks, ribs, burgers, sausages, pepperoni, or more, you name it, the very good butchers are making and selling it. They even do plant-based salmon, and yes, before you ask, plant-based cheese too via an acquisition that they made. While they are based in Canada, they have production in California too, and yes, they're traded in the U.S., and they are rapidly expanding the reach of the animal-free meats that they are selling. I love their messaging, which focuses on how they are proudly butchering beans, not animals, but they still embrace that artisanal butcher aura in their imagery and in their packaging. So go check them out at verygoodfood.com to see all the brands they own, the good work they're doing, and how you can become a shareholder yourself if you're so inclined. And of course, tasting is believing. So make sure to order a few things from their site and prepare to be wowed. Now, back to the interview. So how did you fund owning this factory? I mean, did you take out debt? Uh, like you, you don't have external investors in the company at this point, although I think you may be accepting them. I think we can talk about that. But uh, if, it was, if it's a multi-million dollar facility, uh, you know, so how did you fund it? Um, you know, after Shark Tank, um, we, you know, we, we made so much in sales and we took on a lot of pre-orders that weren't due for, for, you know, uh, until we could fulfill them. And that ended up being months later, but a, a lot of people were uh, willing to wait because they understood, uh, they understood the mission and they, they understood they wanted to support us. They wanted to try our products. So there was a lot of, of um, capital that was made um, just from telling our story on Shark Tank. Um, uh, and uh, I would definitely say that there was a lot of um, a wealth of information that was provided to us just from a lot of people hearing the story um, as far as resources that we could get without having to give up you know, equity and ownership of what we created. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, cool. Well, that's that's great, Deborah. Congratulations on that. So you're doing a lot of sales online, all like uh, D to C or direct to consumer. You also have some restaurants that are carrying your products. Um, are we going to see Atlas Monroe chicken in supermarkets anytime soon? Like, what's the what's the strategy to expand? Yes. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely going into supermarkets this year. So we're very excited about that. Um, uh, there will be a different um, chain grocery stores that you'll see Atlas Monroe in this year um, and, and moving forward. Okay, great. Uh, and are, are there any uh, chain restaurants? So not just like these vegan restaurants, but uh, you know, have you thought about uh, going uh, broader than that with some of the more mainstream restaurant chains? Yes, um, I'm, I'm definitely for that. So, um, currently, um, so, uh, there's a, a chain called Witch Witch, which is like a subway. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a national chain. Well, the owner, uh, Jeff Sinelli, he has a concept called Bird Gesa. And so it's, it's the same, um, a, a chicken, uh, chain restaurant. And so right now, actually, um, we are in that restaurant, um, and he will be expanding that um, into a chain. So, let me ask you, Deborah. Um, you know, you're obviously expanding pretty rapidly now. What do you project for revenues for for the year 2021? Um, you know, I think that for 2021, we'll probably do upwards of five million. So if you do that, it would be a, a pretty good thing uh, that you didn't sell the company for one million just a couple years earlier. If it's, if you're doing five million in revenue, obviously you're going to be uh, have a valuation of some multiple over that. So uh, congratulations on taking that bet and really believing in your own company. Since and and am I correct in that you still own 100 percent of it? Yes, you yeah. are correct. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. You, thank you. Made thank a, you. You made a bet that so far at least has paid off. So congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I know that you offer a lot of options, Deborah, um, in addition to fried chicken, you have uh, other options too. Um, do you plan on doing anything for people who are, let's say, looking for something that might be not fried or something that even uh, to goes back to your vegan roots here, like raw items, or is this going to be primarily centered around uh, fried chicken and other fried foods? I would definitely say that, you know, there's so much, there's so much that Atlas Monroe has to offer that we really haven't even begun to touch. Um, And I think that with the expansion of our secondary and third locations, um, we'll really be able to roll out those delicious items that we've been, you know, keeping in the closet or should I say in the cookbook? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. How many, how many folks work at the company now? Um, it's about 20. We're probably going to, going to hit a a good between 25 to 30 coming up, but, um, about 20, 20, probably about 20 to 23 people right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's really amazing what you have been able to create from nothing essentially. And without taking outside investment, you know, a lot of startups, uh, they take uh, millions of dollars of, uh, investor money and they still aren't doing 5 million in revenue. So, um, it's very impressive what you've created. So let me ask you, Deborah, if there's other people who are listening to you right now and they're thinking about how they might be able to make an impact on the world too and do something good for uh, the planet and for people and for animals and they're inspired by your story, are there any resources that you would recommend that have been useful for you in your own entrepreneurial journey that you think might be useful for other people to check out? Yes, definitely. Um, you know, I think that there's such a wealth of information um, you can, one thing that I would definitely recommend 
um, you know, something that uh, uh, somebody has, I guess, reached out and, and said to me um, is definitely the SBA and a lot of uh, minority groups. So, you know, if you join, you know, if you whatever uh, race that you are, you know, there's a lot of um, minority groups that, that give out a wealth of information and, um, you know, just want to help. There's just so many people that want to help because they know that, you know, the resources for us is very slim to none. If you go to uh, Lendistry, I believe Lendistry has a lot of wealth of information. Um, I think a lot of people did their PPP loans from from Lendistry and Lendistry works with a lot of minority um, groups um, and and really focuses on getting and on grants and getting minorities the help that they need to grow their businesses. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll have links to uh, those resources in the show notes on this episode at businessforgoodpodcast.com. So you can go straight there and, and check that out. But finally, Deborah, I want to ask you, you know, you've, you've had quite a ride uh, going from this off chance festival to now having a multi-million dollar business that you've started. So Obviously, I imagine there must be other ideas that you have if you weren't doing Atlas or Monroe, but you are, and presumably this is going to be your future for some time. So are there other ideas for companies that you have that you hope that somebody else is going to do? And if so, what are they? In terms of, of um, a vegan, be, something vegan, um, you know, we, we love, um, you know, like say going to the zoo or, or, or seeing animals you you don't now it's like well i'll never go to a zoo again because you realize all these animals are in captivity and the way that they're treated and and all of that and so now they have you know animal sanctuaries but i wish that you know there was there was um you know maybe um in terms of animal sanctuaries i wish that it it could get bigger i wish that you know um as we're because a lot of these animal sanctuaries are are standalone, and then you know they they have to raise money and and um, uh, they, they're small, and you got to find them. I wish that it could become something something global, something you know big, something national. And um, I think you know maybe if we could all you know either you know team up and and have it be something where it's it's very easy to find and a lot of the, the kids that are a lot of kids are growing up vegan. Um, you know, can go and, and see animals and, and learn about animals and have it be something that's very um, humane and very beautiful and not something that's, you know, cruel and unusual. So. All right. Very cool. Well, that sounds like an awesome idea. If somebody can find some way to help get some more money to uh, make sure that uh, animals who are rescued have a sanctuary to go to and make that something that isn't a drain on cash, but could actually be generating some. So you heard it from Deborah. Uh, she wants to uh, she wants to come visit your your new animal sanctuary. So Deborah, are there any other uh, ideas that you have for uh, companies that you wish existed that don't yet exist? Yes, I definitely think that a vegan amusement park should be in the works. There's so many vegans and um, so many cool things around food that can easily um, be used for entertainment purposes. So really fun, um, especially for kids, you know, um, and families that are, are either being raised vegan or transitioning to vegan or even just wanting to learn more about plant foods. Um, an amusement park is a wonderful place to do that. 
and um, just having so much fun around food at amusement parks. Right now, you know, um, go to amusement park and we have to either say, hey, you know, uh, we have this dietary thing. So can we bring our food in? And if they say no, then we have to exit the park and go eat in our car and then come back. And it's like, for, for what reason, you know, if you guys just um, incorporated vegan food into the park, made it a beautiful, fun experience, fun thing, um, it can work for everyone, um, especially as meat eaters, even people who eat meat are, you know, still looking for plant-based alternatives. So it's a win-win for everyone. Nice. So I will travel to wherever that park is going to be. So I look forward. Uh, I presume they're going to be serving Atlas Monroe chicken there. And I'll look forward to in between rides, uh, getting some some fried chicken. So that's a cool <laughs> idea too. And Deborah, I really appreciate all that you're doing. Congratulations on the success that you're having. We'll look forward to continuing to watch that success. And hopefully get to see you prove those sharks very wrong, even more so than they've already been proven wrong. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate that you had me. I'm very grateful. Thanks for listening. We hope you found use in this episode. If so, don't keep it to yourself. Please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. And as always, we hope you will be in the business of doing good.